I'm a monster and he took away my filthiness. Can't wait to see exactly what he's going to do with this. You see, I fessed up. My insides are messed up. May look good on the outside, but that's just me playing dress up. Can't hide my sin from the all-knowing. Trying to change from the inside out. No wonder my tags are showing. No wonder that boy's glowing. Bruce Lee, Roy, showing up, I know who's the master, and it ain't me, boy. He's my sunny side up in the stormy weather. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us rejoice his name together. My life was scrambled, and he took over easy, no omelet. <laughs> and I don't want to be that dog that returns to his vomit. See, I'm ratchet, and he filled me with this righteousness. Don't understand why he never said he was through with this. And all of my filth, my dirt, and my mud, he covered me with his mercy, his grace, and his blood. So I say, thank you, Lord, for taking my wrongs and righting me. I read your word and understood that you was righting me. Let those with eyes and ears know what the writing means. He said I would never be left, so I know he's in me. See, I'm a monster, and he took away my filthiness. Deserved hell, but he gave me so much more. New teaching series series underground Jesus you've never been loved like this before give it up for God y'all also give it up for the online community that's online what's up Esther and what's up Nathan and everybody that's online my name is Rashad Cunningham my voice has been up and down for a week I have it every night and then in the morning I wake up and it's gone and so this is what you get right now. I want to warn you ahead of time. Today's a PG-13 message, just keeping it very upfront with you. Um, it's been hard for two services, um, extremely heavy, and I'm holding it together to get through one more. Uh, we are starting a new teaching series called Underground Jesus, You've Never Been Loved Like This Before. And if you look at the graphic, like there's Easter eggs all over this thing, right? And so... We're doing our movement maker statements. Every year we do Underground Jesus to kind of pull everybody in so that they can see the vision and the, the things that make us move. These are the statements that make us move, movement maker statements. In the top right corner, it says live boldly, love deeply. That's week one. That's what I'm doing. That's our motto. In the bottom left corner, it says following Jesus up, in, and out. That is our model. In the bottom right corner, it says we ex exist to see people far from God discipled into a passionate relationship with Jesus. That is our mission and our movement, the actual movement, is to reach one million people for Christ in the state of Indiana. These are our four movement maker statements. Amen, right? If you walk outside after service and make, you know, you go down the hallway, they're right there on the wall, right? You just turn to the left, you're right there on the wall. And there's the thing, like, movement maker, these statements should make you move. Now, I'm going to teach it in a way of how live boldly, love deeply resonates with me. Why? When I sat down with Josh before I took on the responsibility of knowing that I was called to this church, there was something about that, those two statements that moved me, that actually moved me. And it's been moving me my whole life. You want to know why I preach the way I preach, why I live the way I live, why I love the way that I love, is going to come from this sermon right here. And therefore, I have to open up and give you my testimony. And that's why I'm warning you on the front end. Okay. Also, I do this thing to make sure everybody's in the room and ready to go. I say, good morning, Mercy Road, and you respond by saying, good morning, Rashad. There are heathens among you, sinners, who will say, Radish, my name is Rashad. I don't know why they call me Radish, all right? Let's try it. Good morning, Mercy Road. Good morning, Mercy 
Oh, we could do better than that. And I heard the radish. Who was it? It was it's in this area. I'm just blaming all of you. Okay. Let's try one more time. Good morning, Mercy Road. Amen. And so live boldly, love deeply. That is our model or motto, M-O-T-T-O, not our model, M-O-D-E-L, M-O-T-T-O. We are saying that we believe that we are going to live boldly for Jesus and love people deeply because of Jesus. So like, does that in itself move you? Like, does that like, if it does, like, then I can just close my book. Or maybe you're like, That sounds cute, but it doesn't do anything for me. My goal at the end of this message is that when you hear those two statements together, you actually want to move and do radical things for Jesus and love people in radical ways. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, And like I said, I'm struggling. Um, I have a lot. I just want to be transparent with you real quick. My daughter goes to college this week. Um, and so it's, you know, 18 years of your life revolving around your daughter, and um, she's going to go be an adult. So I'm wrestling with that. But then this message is, it's heavy, okay? So give me grace. Just give me grace. So to understand how to live boldly and love deeply, first you have to understand who you are. The Bible says that we live bad. Here's my first point. Very simple. We live bad. You're like, that's it? Yep, that's it. We live bad. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, has anybody ever played that game, Lava, where the floor is lava, and you're like jumping from couch to couch to like kitchen table and all that, and if you land on the floor, you're dead? Me and my sister used to play that growing up, and I'm a sore loser. She's like Spider-Man, right? Like she could jump from this to that to this to that. I couldn't do any of that stuff. And so every time I landed in the lava, she's like, Rashad, you're dead. I'm like, I'm not dead. And she's like, yes, you are. I was like, no, I'm not. I was like, how am I dead? She's like, because you landed in the lava. I was like, well, if I'm dead, how am I talking? Because I'm still talking. Dead people don't talk. She's like, well, because of the rules, you landed in the lava, you're dead. And I was like, well, then you're dead too. And she's like, how am I dead? I said, because you're talking to a dead person. So you must be dead too. If I'm dead, you dead. And it's like, what does dead even mean, right? And so when I first surrendered my life to Christ and read Ephesians 2, I was like, Paul is writing to dead people? (laughs) You were dead and you're like, what does that mean? And to understand what it means in its context, you have to understand what life means. So last week, we talked about running that race of faith, right? And how uh, we we run that race, we endure that race. Why? So that we could be in eternity in life, which is with God. Life is to be with God eternally. So death is to be without God eternally. So you and I either were or still are biblically dead, according to this, in your trespasses and sins. That means everybody in this room, Whether you are a believer or not a believer, at one point in time, you were without God. Everybody. Nobody's better. Nobody's worse. Everybody's equal. You were without God at one time in your trespasses and sins. So we have to ask ourselves, what is a trespass and a sin? Because we come in and we hear these churchy words and we're like, yeah, that's the bad stuff. But what is the bad stuff? Because your bad and my bad might be completely different, right? So what does it mean to be in trespasses and sins? Well, check this out. Um, There's a line that God sets, and he says, don't cross this line. 
If you cross that line, you have trespassed. It's kind of like our online pastor. Up here, he says, hey, there's a line that you can't cross because then you won't be in focus. Like, like, if I do this, I'm probably trespassing, right? Like, that was probably, I should have done that, but I did it, and I just trespassed. And so there's a line that God lays down and says, don't cross this line. That is a trespass. A sin, there's a target that God sets and says, hit that target perfectly. And if you miss it, then you have sinned. Think about this. Some of us, some of us have trespassed just a little bit. Anybody ever shared or used somebody's like Netflix or Hulu account or HBO? Man, look at y'all. Oh, y'all. Look, y'all don't even raise your hand. Y'all lying? Oh, y'all lying. Right, right, right. But, 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 and we laugh about that because that's not a big deal, right? Wrong. Wrong. See, there's a line, and God says, don't pass that line. And we do, we put our right foot in, we put our right foot out, put your right foot in, and you shake it off. You do the hokey pokey, and some of us, anybody been watching the Olympics? Some of us are like, like those long jump people. Like, we literally like gather ourselves together and run and jump all the way past that line. It doesn't matter if you put your pinky toe past the line or if you jump past the line. If you cross the line, you are dead in your trespasses. And that target, imagine a dartboard that is from here to, like, downtown. And you have to throw a dart from here to downtown and hit the bullseye perfectly. And if you don't hit the bullseye, then you have missed the mark. Nobody will hit the bullseye. Some of us will hit people. (laughs) You are dead in your missing of the mark and your crossing of the line. You are without God in your missing of the mark and your crossing of the line, and you live bad. And the wage of missing the mark and crossing the line is death. It's one standard. It doesn't change. I don't care if you're like, but I barely crossed it. Look at the person over there. Your standard isn't the person over there. Your standard is God's line, God's target. When you open up the Old Testament, you have 613 commandments. Some of them are don't cross the line. Some of them are hit this target. And if you fail to not cross that line or hit that target, you deserve hell because you're not perfect. And you're like, well, I've never failed in any of that. Maybe not indeed. I doubt it, but maybe not. But have you ever said something that crossed the line or missed the mark? You haven't? Okay. Have you ever thought something that crossed the line or missed the mark? If you've had one bad thought that crossed the line or one bad thought that missed the mark, you are dead without God in your trespasses and sins. Do you understand your predicament? Do you understand who you are? Who's you? Anybody in this room right now? Anybody online right now? We live bad. The Bible says we did this formerly. Some of us, it's past tense. Some of us, it's present tense. In in which we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We lived bad. But here's the other side. We love death. See, if death is defined as without God, we love being without God. Everybody wants a savior. Nobody wants to go to hell if hell is real. But don't nobody want a Lord. Nobody wants somebody to actually tell them what line not to cross and what target to hit. And so we love being without God because we love doing things our way. Look at what the Bible says. Among them, the sons of disobedience, we too all 
formerly lived, some of us formerly, some of us currently, in the lust of our flesh, indulging. This is like a hunger for the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're, look at this, by nature, children of wrath. Like, like nature, like you love death. This is your nature. This is what human nature is. This is what the fall did. You are, co- you are shaping in iniquity. You are formed in sin. This is who you are. Think about it. I have some transgender friends. And when we have these conversations, when we're talking about the Bible, we're eating lunch, we love each other. Say, hey, you can change the outside. You can modify your behavior. You can modify your hair. You can modify a whole bunch of stuff, your body, everything. But you can't change your nature. See, if you're a man, you cannot give birth to a child. And if you're a female, you cannot produce sperm. It's not in your nature. Now, that's the transgender community, but put that to the side and look at the human community. It is your nature to live bad. It is your nature to love death. It is your actual nature, who you are, to cross the line, whether it's a tippy-toe or you jump past it. It is your nature to miss the mark, whether you completely miss it or barely miss it. It doesn't matter. This is who you are. We live bad and we love death. Can you see the problem? If that's the case, and I'm helpless, then who can be saved? Who can be delivered from being without God if we are all by nature without God in the things that we willingly do? Once again, you may not manifest it in the most grandiose, bad way, but you've crossed the line. You have missed the mark. Maybe you've never done nothing, but you said it. Maybe you never said it, but you thought it. The Bible, Jesus literally says, you think adultery is just ill. If you even have lust for a woman, you've committed adultery. You think murder, if you even are angry. Like, man, even if I'm angry, I was angry this morning. Driving here, like, oh, the person in front of me. Cross the line. (laughs) So think about this. We have a huge problem, and you cannot understand how to live boldly, and how to love deeply unless you understand who you naturally are. You live bad, and you love death naturally. So living boldly and loving deeply has to be a supernatural thing because it's not naturally who you are, period. So here's the part where I lose my voice, y'all. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, but God... You see, if I was in a different, you know, culture, church, I'd be like, but God, (laughs) early in the morning, (laughs) the Alpha and the Omega. (laughs) I I, I ain't ready for that. We're going to wait a couple years. We're going to wait a couple years. We're going to wait. Hey, 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 got to wait. Got to wait. All right, we're going to drip it. We're going to drip. But when you see but God, that means something's about to change. I just told you who you was. You live bad, you love death. But God, why God? Because you can't do it. You can't change your nature. But God can. But God, being rich in mercy. What does it mean to be rich in mercy? Well, think about this. You crossed the line. You missed the mark. So justice is you getting what you deserve. You know what you deserve? Eternity without God. You deserve death. You deserve exactly what you love. But God, rich in not giving you what you deserve, mercy, mercy. 
Why would he do that? Because of his great love with which he loved us. You see, Jesus lived bold. In Philippians 2, we're not going to turn there, but in Philippians 2, look at this. In Philippians 2, it says that Jesus, in the form of God, did not see equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Now, some people think that means he was reaching to be equal with God. No, 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 because the next line says he emptied himself out. You can't empty yourself out of something that you're still reaching for, right? And so this means it's something he, he had, has equality with God. And he didn't consider equality with God to be something to hold on to, so he emptied himself. He poured out of his abundance, his ability, his advantage, his privilege, and poured out into our poverty because that's living bold. I mean, think about this. How do we take back the word privilege, right? You got white privilege, American privilege, 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 privilege. It's this demonic thing that we're like, oh, what do you mean check my privilege? I don't have anything better than you, but ah, look at this. Privilege is a, is, is a, is a mechanism of the kingdom. It's of the kingdom. Imagine this, whether you're white, American, whatever. When I, go to, when I went to India, I saw the privileges I had because of where I geographically live. That is sin-based privilege. I shouldn't have a better life because I live in America, right? But because of all the missings of the lines and the missings of the mark, this world has fallen, and some people have a better life in America than they do in India. But I didn't feel guilty that I was born an American. I felt responsible, to look and identify the areas where I have abundance and advantages and abilities and pour out of my abundance into their poverty to raise them up, knowing that they will pour out of their abundance and their abilities and whatever they have to raise me up in my poverty. Can you imagine if somebody said, check your white privilege, and you was like, I did check it, boo-boo. <laughs> I saw my advantages. I saw my abilities. I saw the things I had in abundance. And if I saw that you didn't have it, I poured out to raise you up, knowing that whatever you got that I don't, you can pour out to raise me up. See how you take back that word so quick? And you don't have to deny or ignore or feel guilty. You just take it and say, I'll use whatever I have for the kingdom. That's living boldly. This is biblical. I'm not political. This is biblical. You go to 2 Corinthians 8, and this is what it's talking about, that he who was rich poured out of his richness into our poverty and raised us up. It's the gospel. This is how Paul taught giving. This is what living boldly looks like. It's not holding on to your privilege, holding on to your abilities, your abundance, holding on to your advantage. It's pouring out of it for those who don't have. But more importantly, he loved deeply. He loved deeply. Romans 5. Give me Romans 5. Look at this, y'all. Romans 5 says this. For while we were still helpless, verse 6, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is the passage that led me to Christ, and let me show you why. Come on up. Come on up. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Need you now. Need you now. Come on up. Right here. Boom. Need you. Uh-huh. Need you too. Come on. Right here. I'm going to show you something here. How you doing, man? Thank you so much for doing this. They was like, what do I got to say? I was like, you ain't got to say nothing. You go on that side. You come here. You stand here. You stand there. Make sure you don't cross the line. No, I'm just playing. All right. <laughs> Rob's going to get me for that one. Step up just a little bit. Step up just a little bit. All right. So I'm giving you this illustration of, because of, the key word in that passage is while. While we were helpless, 
while we were ungodly, while we were crossing the line and missing the mark, while we were his enemies. See, what we're going to have here, you're going to be Christ, and he's not white. (laughs) Y'all can take that home. I'm just playing with y'all. Look, he's Christ. This is me at the ages of 6 to 11. There's a space for me right here. This is me when I, (laughs) how you doing, mama? (laughs) This is me when I surrender my life to Christ, and this is me after, okay? I just want you to see this. Now, we live inside of time, right? And so we're just like walking through time, but God is, here's a big word, omnipresent. That means he's outside of time. I want you to see something. So this is what it looks like. See, see, God can see his son on the cross while I'm in this space right here before Christ. God can see his son on the cross while I'm 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 being molested by my cousin. Being introduced to sex at way too early of an age. God can see me right here. And you think to yourself, God, why would you, like, how could you watch and how could you, and what I come to find is this, right? Like, like the things I thought of the one who put themselves on me, the hurt, the anger, the pain, the shame, the thoughts that went through my mind of not knowing what I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been trapped in that if I didn't know that outside of Tom. God didn't let that person get away with it because his son died for it. He looked at that moment and he saw what that person did to me and what that other person did to me and he let his son die on the cross for it because he loved me so I wouldn't be paralyzed where I couldn't live boldly or love deeply. However, however, the man that did it to me, God looked at the cross and saw his son and left him on the cross for the man that did it to me as well. And you say to yourself, how could God love a monster? How could God love the man that put himself on me? How could he love a monster that touched me when I was a kid that messed up my life? How could he love him? you're 14 and now you're the monster who touches your adopted sister inappropriately now you stop and you say that monster that he loved back then that did that to me is me and now I need that love Don't be shocked, though. Don't let this shock you. Don't just look at me and got all the thoughts running through your head. Okay, remember this at the beginning. There's a line that I crossed because I was a monster. Maybe I jumped past it. Maybe I ran past it. But if I'm a monster for crossing that line, so are you. If I'm a monster for missing that mark, so are you. And don't get me wrong, the consequences for what happened to me and the consequences for what I've done have destroyed my earthly life in ways you can never imagine. I don't want you feeling sorry for me. I'm a monster. But God saw and he left his son on the cross for me while I was a monster. While I was a sinner, while I loved death, 
while I lived bad, while I was helpless because it was my nature, while I was ungodly, while I willingly chose to do opposite of what he told me. When there was a line, I crossed it on purpose. When there was a mark, I missed it on purpose because that's who I was. I don't blame nobody or nothing that happened to me. That was my nature. That was who I was. I made those choices. I deserve hell. I deserve hell. And he left his son on the cross to experience that hell for me so that at this age when I chose him, I would be saved and delivered from the wrath. Can you see how deeply he loves you? Because you could take this moment right here and insert whatever you want. It's worthy of hell. It's worthy of what happened on that cross. They say God loves the sinner, hates the sin. Keep going. And hates the sinner too. See, the cross is where it all happens. That wrath was for you. Why? He hates the sinner as well. But he loves the sinner so much that he allowed his son to be the substitute for you. For me. So he steps back and he sees me give my life. And then he sees me after. And literally, like, this would be like a new creation, right? Like, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> and now I was paralyzed right there. You see, my pastor, May 28, 2011, he was reading Romans 5, Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 10. While I was this, while I was this, I was like, Pastor, but do you know what I've done in my life? Do you know what's been done to me? I'm, surely I can't go to heaven. I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. But I thought I was going to hell because sinners go to hell. He read that passage to me and he broke it down and said, no, no, while you were all of those things, he saw it and he left his son on the cross for you, Rashad. So then after that, now I'm in this stage right here and I'm scared to make a mistake because I don't want to lose what I got. So I'm scared to start the outpost. I don't want to get in the huddle. I'm scared to go get baptized. Because, because I'm, if somebody sees me publicly, they may talk about what I was. They may, they may expose my secret to everybody, and I'm a fraud. I told you that last week. I'm a fraud. And, and what happens? I'm scared to pastor a church because what if this comes out and everybody finds out about what I did when I was 14? I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to live boldly. I'm scared to love people deeply. I don't even want to be known. I just want to hide in the back. I just, I just want to come in and slip back out. Why? Because if they find out who I am, they won't love me. God says, Rashad, I know who you were, and I still loved you. This is the gospel in its basic simplicity. This is the gospel that he knew you at your worst. Just stop for a minute. I see your eyes. You can judge me later. Stop pretending who you are. Stop pretending who you are. You've crossed that same line. You've missed that same mark. So if you're at this stage where you've surrendered your life and you're scared to do the outpost or to join the outpost or to join the huddle or to get in the rooted, you think you don't know enough and you think he never needed you to know any of that for his son to die for you. Life is to be with him eternally. You already have that. And if you're scared to lose it, think about this illustration. What can you do that he didn't see and left his son on the cross for you? Nothing. 
And it doesn't minimize the pain of what was done to me. It doesn't minimize the brokenness of anybody in my life who I've ever hurt. It doesn't make it go away and the consequences on this earth are real. But the condemnation of eternity is gone. It's gone. And so here's where it turns. You guys can go back to your seats. Here's where it turns. Look at this. Look at this. Ephesians 2.10 says this. Ephesians 2.10. Just give it to me on the screen. It says, for we are his workmanship. We are his poem. We are his masterpiece. Who's we? The monsters. The monsters become the masterpiece in Christ Jesus. In other words, nothing about me is removed or excused or anything. I'm still that. But when you take that and you put it in Christ Jesus and he sacrifices and he surrenders his life for my demonic activity, he makes a new creation. Because see, you're not a paint job. You're not just a better you. You're a deader you. You're done. The old has passed away. The new has come. You needed a new nature. You couldn't be the old nature. You needed to be the new nature because the old nature loves death and lives badly. The new nature lives boldly and loves deeply. Can you imagine now that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. What are those good works? Living boldly and loving deeply. And these are works that he created beforehand, meaning he steps back outside of time. He looks at every part of your life and still created works beforehand for you to what? To walk in them. I don't share my vulnerability with you because of the shock factor. I don't share it to keep your attention. There's somebody in this room who hasn't been free before today. There's somebody in this room who's been in the prison of shame, of guilt. You've heard about Jesus, but that one thing that nobody else knows about, that one thing, you could never live boldly for him because what if it's exposed? What if your darkness is exposed? Well, it's already been exposed. God saw it, and he conquered it through his son on the cross. When I see the words live boldly and love deeply, I think about what he done for me. I stop pretending who I want you to see me as, and I start being honest about who I am. And I start realizing everything I am now, everything you see is only because of what he's done for me. And so I give you everything I have. We're about to sing this song, Have My Heart. Isaiah's about to sing this song, Have My Heart. The words say, you love with no reservation. You know what that means? That means he doesn't reserve anything. He doesn't hold back any of his love at any point in your life. You saw my life. There was not one point in my life that he was holding back his love because while he was looking at every point in my life, 
He kept his son on the cross demonstrating, demonstrating what godly love looks like for me, for me, for me, for me, for me. He says, you don't require perfection. That's the next line. You don't require perfection. Why am I pretending to be perfect if I'm not? Why can't I just lay it at the altar? Say, Father, even after surrendering my life to you, I still cross the line. I still miss the mark. I'm not perfect. The words say he doesn't require perfection. So then the very next line says, there's no need for me pretending. I can't pretend anymore. I can't pretend to be something you, you say I am. I can't pretend to be this ideal of what a pastor's supposed to be or husband. I'm just who I am, a sinner missing the mark, a trespasser crossing the line who needed the perfect death of Jesus Christ so that I could be changed, so that I could be with him in eternity, so I could live boldly and love deeply. At this point, what's stopping you now? What's stopping you now? What's holding you back from saying, you can have my heart? That outpost idea, go do it. Why not? He, he didn't determine whether or not his son would stay on the cross based on the success of your outpost. He just wanted you to be faithful and go do it. That's why he put it on your heart. That rooted group that you're scared to go in because you don't know enough Bible, who cares what they think about you? You know what he thinks about you now. That huddle, that worship team, that sermon. I was so scared this morning to do this three times, to let people into my life in the areas that I wouldn't let nobody in. And then I thought, what he did for me. This is nothing compared to what he did for me. And so now I ask you, I ask you, if you understand that illustration, how can you not live boldly, but more importantly, how can you not love deeply? Who can God place in front of you that you wouldn't love? And I want to be sensitive. I'm not telling you to run back to your abuser. I'm not telling you if you are the predator to act like you don't have a problem. But what I'm saying is, whether you're the victim, which I've been, or the predator, which I've been, God loves you too, and he will use you. There will be consequences to all fallenness. That's what sin does. It destroys, and it has destroyed my life. It has destroyed my family. It has destroyed the lives of many others. It has destroyed me here on earth. But this is momentary and temporary. And so now I fix my eyes on Jesus, and I say, Father, if you could love me after all of that, how would I not go live boldly and love deeply anybody and everything that you put in front, of me, in front of me? There's no need in me pretending. Speak to me and I will listen. I'll give you everything. You can have my heart. And so every time you see those words here, live boldly, love deeply, it's not just some cute alliteration. We believe this, y'all. 
we believe this. When we say that this, that this is a hospital for sinners, for those who miss the mark, we believe this, y'all. When we say nobody's too far away from God to be discipled into a passionate relationship with Jesus, we're not saying it because it looks good on the website. We believe this. We live this. So how can I look at anybody out here and think any differently of them than what he thought of me? And he looked at me in my worst, and he died for me. So my proper response is, you can have my heart. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you. We had this conversation this week, Father. Why now? Why them? Why this? And Father, you showed me that if even one person under the sound of my voice, Father, is released because of this message, if one person is freed from the paralysis and the prison, Father, that they've been in because of the shame of what's happened to them or the shame of what they've done, Father, you said that's why. So Father, I'm asking you to use this message and remove anything that's so shocking about me, Father, that they don't see you. Move the monster so they can see the message. Let us have a mindset of telling you that you can have our hearts. Let those who don't know your son and don't know his love understand that they've never been loved like this before. Father, if anybody else, if I stood in front of my wife and she showed me all things that she was going to do wrong against me, Father, and said, do you still commit? I would say no. But Father, you saw everything and you still committed your son to us. How, Father? How could you love us so deeply? How could he live so boldly for us, Father? And how can we not respond to that bold living and that deep loving without giving you everything, everything, Father, that we have to give? We thank you. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ, name we pray. Amen.